Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm the host of SpursCast. Joining me for this episode in studio is Project Spurs' Colin Reed. Colin, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Uh, so, you know, the Spurs have obviously been on, on a spiral here against some of the better teams in the league, but then they, they turn it around against Orlando yeah. at home and beat them by almost uh, 40 points. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to a quick recap, Colin, of uh, the Spurs' last four games. So last week on the episode, I had uh, Benjamin Bornstein on the episode. Mm-hmm. He had more hope for the Spurs. He projected they'd go two and two on that on their, their, the last four games. I thought they'd go one and three. I couldn't see them beating the Warriors, the um, the Thunder, or the Rockets mm-hmm. on the road. And so the Spurs did go one and three there in that in that run. So um, you know against Golden State, they almost won the game. They lost barely by three points. Uh, Steph Curry gets hurt really early in the game. He doesn't come back. And so um, San Antonio had a chance there in crunch time. They had a lead, but then Kevin Durant just took over and they couldn't get a stop. On the road against Oklahoma City, the Spurs lose by 10. In this game, they kept it close for three quarters, but then at the start of the fourth, Nick Collison, of all people, went crazy with like seven points right away. And and the uh, it was more the Thunder depth that actually took over to start the fourth quarter and put San Antonio away really fast. Uh, then on Monday, what we all expected was the Rockets, you know, fully healthy, just blew the Spurs out of the building. Uh, the Spurs lost that game by 16 points. They kept it sort of close in the first half, but you, you eventually knew Houston would go, go on some sort of run. Uh, and then Tuesday, in the second night of a back-to-back, the Spurs, who had most of their team healthy except Kawhi Leonard, uh, blew out the Orlando Magic by 36. Um, in that one, they basically were the, the game was over by like the mid-second quarter. You could already tell San Antonio was on their way to a win. Um, so, Colin, just your overall impressions of those those last four games. Well, you know, so obviously that they get the win in Orlando against Orlando at home. Uh, they kind of break their little losing skid, and now they have a home stand that they can maybe build some momentum off of. The three losses, like you said, I, I kind of saw them coming. Um, I think, you know, for the team themselves, the most frustrating one has to be the one against the Warriors, where they actually had an opportunity to win a game against the Warriors, and again, kind of let it slip. Like you said, Durant went off; he was amazing, but they couldn't. The Spurs couldn't make a shot or get a stop. Uh, at the end there, and that kind of doomed them, which has kind of been what's been dooming them for a while now. And then the same thing against the Thunder. It kind of happened earlier than it usually does lately. But again, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they their defense kind of falls apart. And, you know, it just seems like everyone has a good game against the Spurs, kind of a random role player like Nick Collison um, or, or a star like <laughs> Kevin Durant even. Um the Rockets game, like you said, that one was probably the easiest to predict that that was just going to be a blowout. Um, and, and they really did kind of run the Spurs 
off the floor. Uh, you know, the Spurs. I think it was closer than it could have been because they, the Rockets, actually started off shooting so poorly from three, and when that kind of regressed back to the to the mean, that's when um, you know it was a twenty point game or whatever after that. Yeah, I, th- I think you go back to that one about the Warriors was was a really close one. Like like you mentioned, that was one that San Antonio let let get away, and they will be playing seeing Golden State pretty soon here uh, without Steph Curry and without Klay Thompson. So there's definitely a chance that it went, which you and I will talk about in a little bit. Um, the, the Orlando one, I'm interested to see now if they take some of this momentum. You know, they did have a 53-point lead against Phoenix and like just blew them out of the building one time, and then they just went on to lose like three or four straight. So, so just because they look really great on one night against a bad team um, doesn't actually mean that it's going to carry over into the next game because we've seen that now with the Spurs, even when they beat some of those bad teams um, by a lot. So... Let's move into our, our, our first topic, Colin, which is basically the first topic of every single episode this season, which is uh, <laughs> the injury status of Kawhi Leonard. Um, so let's go through a new timeline here. Okay, so on Saturday, the Spurs are playing the Thunder right before the game starts. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reports that, according to him and Lisa Salters, uh, Kawhi is expected, barring no, you know, no, no, nothing holding him back, he's supposed to come back on Thursday this week against the Pelicans. Uh, then... Um, Later on after that game, uh, you know, the, the Spurs asked Coach, not the Spurs, the media asked Coach Pop about that rumor from ESPN. He basically said that it's ESPN reporting it, not not him. He hasn't heard it. He hasn't seen it. So he, he'll believe basically whenever Kawhi talks to him or whatever he sees from Kawhi. Uh, then later on in, um, on Monday, um, the Express News puts out a report that he might even come back as, as soon as Tuesday against the Magic. And so, you know, from, from everyone's perspective, both the media, um, the, the Spurs fans as well, everybody's thinking, okay, he's for sure coming back, you know, Thursday at minimum. Uh, I even had one guy say that he bought tickets to Thursday's game, which oh, I feel no. kind of bad that, yeah, <laughs> you know, he basically thought that Kawhi was coming back. And I even thought, you know, as, my, as, my, as I was planning this week to attend the games, as, as a media member, I thought for sure Thursday he's coming back. You know, I'm, I'm amped up a little bit for that Pelicans game. <laughs> well, then on Tuesday, the Spurs' injury report comes out and it basically says Kawhi's still out against the Magic. Then Pop uh, does his pregame um, huddle and, and with the media, and he basically gives more of an explanation. Basically, he, he, de- he goes deep into the whole Kawhi situation, saying that uh, he had this quote. He says, uh, the first step is he's got to get be cleared by his medical staff. So Pop's now saying that, acknowledging that there's obviously the Spurs medical doctors who have, who have kind of cleared him already, like has been reported. But then Kawhi has his own medical, medical staff now that's pre- pretty much based out of New York where they need to give him the okay first before him and Kawhi can even start talking about when he's going to come back you know, and what, what type of form he's going to come back. So that's kind of the latest situation here is that it's kind of out of the Spurs' hands. You know, it's about, it's about Kawhi now being cleared by his, his staff, his medical staff that he's obviously has on the side. Uh, and then from there, once they clear him, Pop and, and him will get together and figure things out. Pop did say that he saw him work out on Tuesday uh, and that he still didn't look like, you know, the Kawhi that's ready to start playing again. So, um, just your overall thoughts on this whole Kawhi situation, um, and something to note: if he does come back, let's say Saturday against the Timberwolves, that would that would only be 13 games left. So the clock is obviously uh, winding down here for him to try to make some sort of comeback. What are your thoughts on this whole latest Kawhi news? So I think the uh, the fact that Pop mentioned that he has to be cleared by his medical staff, I think, is very revealing into the situation as a whole. Um, one of the first things that popped into my mind was if I kind of put myself in Kawhi's shoes. I can kind of maybe see why he would be frustrated if the Spurs medical staff clears him. He goes, he plays, he's still dealing with pain. He kind of gets a second opinion, and he hasn't been cleared by that medical staff yet. Um, and I, I'm not saying that the Spurs medical staff did anything wrong. Um, you know, I know with the team medical staff, it's more of a binary thing. Like, you can play, but it maybe doesn't even mean you should. 
Uh, so that's why they cleared him. But, you know, this medical staff in, in New York or wherever, you know, is probably looking at it less of a binary can you or can you not play or and more of a should you or should you not play. And so I think that Kawhi is really motivated to come back from everything we hear. He wants to play. Um, that rumor obviously came from the Spurs organization. They they maybe felt like he was close to returning and, and maybe this discussion that was rumored to happen between Pop and Kawhi was going to lead to him playing as early as Tuesday and it didn't happen. But I think that the discussion that's happening now means that it is close. Uh, but like you kind of alluded to, if it doesn't happen like this weekend or early next week, is it really even worth bringing him back, risking him getting re-injured? He won't be 100% by the playoffs. So I, I do think that, you know, no one is really in the wrong here, but I think that, like, it is for best, Kawhi's best interest to wait until the second uh, third-party medical uh, team does clear him. Yeah, and there was something also that I forgot to mention about Pop's interview recently about the Kawhi situation. He basically said, you know, what he said back in January was that the Spurs are going to err on the side of caution. He brought back the Tim Duncan example where they held Tim out of a whole playoff series because for them, you know, Kawhi's their future. They got to, you know, they have a chance to give him the Supermax on um, on July 1st, and they don't want to obviously have him get injured even more just by rushing him out there with five, you know, three games left before the playoffs or even just throwing him in the playoffs, you know, not, not seeing what kind of um, where he's at comfortably on the court. I also have questions about, you know, if they do give him the okay, the green light, his medical staff, and then Pop says you can play, do, are they still going to be cautious with the, um, you know, you know how they're making him sit out two games in a mm-hmm. row? That's something to watch as well. You know, how does he feel each morning when he wakes up the day after a game? Just like how he said he, he doesn't, he didn't actually, at that point when he played in December, he didn't know how he'd wake up feeling. And obviously it sounds like he wasn't comfortable each day that he woke up after a game because he ended up taking himself out indefinitely uh, based on his, on his injury. So there's a lot of questions still. I, if I have to give a definite, like you know, prediction on onto what, how many games before they just say no, let's not do it. I, I'd probably say about eight games left. Mm-hmm. I think if you get to the eight game mark and he's still not back, I think that's pretty much calling it from the Spurs' perspective and even his perspective that it's probably going to be impossible for him to come back, and it's just safer for for both parties to um to sit, to have him sit out. Uh, one thing I'm interested though in financially is. I wonder if he doesn't come back, if that gives the Spurs some sort of leverage to not maybe, not give him the full Supermax, but just part of it, or maybe put some sort of restrictions on that Supermax. Uh, something like what, what we're seeing from Bobby Marks on ESPN. He's reporting that Drew Holiday is sort of hitting all these these marks that he had in his contract, his last um, contract with the Pelicans, because obviously he has a he had an injury history, and now that he's actually having a great season, he's fully healthy, he's finally hitting these marks, so he's finally getting part of those bonuses. And I wonder if he doesn't play at all, and the Spurs obviously haven't seen him in a year by May, if um, there's some sort of leverage they have going into negotiations. Well, and um, I can't remember exactly where I saw it. Um, I think Sports Illustrated reported that uh, the turmoil is, you know, there there's maybe like a little bit of like, oh, how is Kawhi feeling with the, but it's not nearly as bad as people have put it, but that they will wait until they actually get to see him before they offer any sort of contract extension, including like if that's in September, they're going to wait until September training camp before they do. So I think that that probably would still be the same approach. I know he's he's with them now and he's practicing now, but I mean, I feel like if he doesn't play at all, that might be the smartest approach is to just wait until September. And if you if he still maybe looks 90% to maybe do what you're saying and kind of put those checks in there instead of just the full... full. One, one, um, one thing I was having a discussion with a few people on Twitter um, was 
they were they were looking at the uh, the Russell Westbrook situation from last year. How he kind of waited for the Thunder uh, before he he uh, you know they offered him uh, on uh, early in July, but he didn't sign it till till mid October, which is he did on purpose because it was Kevin Durant's birthday. Uh, but at, at first, OKC, the fans of the organization didn't know if he was coming back. You know, they went the whole summer not knowing, and so in a way, it almost made them become more aggressive in, in the off season with their trade situation. When they got you know they got Paul George, they got Carmelo Anthony, uh, they signed Patrick Patterson. So it, it almost makes you wonder if they wouldn't have been as aggressive in the trade situation if Russell had just signed on July first. Maybe they, they would have been a little bit more content with the team they had from last season. But instead, because he was kind of holding out, uh, maybe it made their, their put pressure on their GM to make, make some sort of trade. Uh, do you think that this could be a situation where Kawhi might do the same, where maybe he doesn't like he he, he wants to see the roster upgraded? So what he'll do is, if let's say they offer him the, the supermax, he'll hold some of that leverage against them and and wait a while to see what kind of moves they make. That would be an interesting tactic. Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely not something we would have imagined talking about like last summer. Um, but I, I think that you know, as a player who is an MVP level player it is well within his rights to like see where the team shakes out before signing any contract. I don't know if, if he would do that. Um, I couldn't speak to that. And like you said, the Russell Westbrook thing, like maybe he was doing it for leverage, but he also had like the alternative motive there. So uh, I, I don't know if he would or wouldn't, but like if he did, like that's well within his right as a player to like make sure that he's in the best possible situation to flourish as a superstar in the league. Yeah, and something just going back to that argument um, is that or that conversation is that that Russell was coming off an MVP season where he just won and he was fully healthy. This is a little bit different with Kawhi because, again, unless he plays in these last 13 games or at some point, we don't know what his level is. Just and from the Spurs' perspective, too, can he get back? Obviously, most people think he can, but it, you have to see it first. And, and obviously, in those nine games, it hasn't been shown. And, and it, so far this season, that quad has continued to to um, to do it to, to, to have an effect on his season. So uh, obviously we'll keep uh, monitoring this whole Kawhi situation. Maybe he'll be back by this weekend. Maybe he won't. Probably he won't, uh, most likely. So we'll continue to monitor, monitor that on Project Spurs. Um, the second topic, Colin. Let's go. Let's dig into the Spurs' play uh, since February first. Now, um, the last the reason why I always say this February first thing is because on January thirtieth, that was the last time the Spurs won two games in a row, and since then they've only had four wins out of their last um, fifteen games. Uh, the teams they've beaten have been pretty much bad teams, except for Cleveland. They've they beat the Suns, the, the Grizzlies, Orlando, and Orlando, uh, as well as the Cavs, and they've lost to all the other teams. They're, they're 0 and 11. Now, one one interesting stat, Colin, is that it's it's pretty crazy how it's just so cut and dry here. Is that when the Spurs during the stretch from February 1st to, to today that we, we're recording this March 14th, when they hold a team to less than 100 points, they're 4 and 0. When they allow even even oh, anything over a hundred, it could be one hundred two points. Anything over a hundred, they allow. They're zero and eleven during the stretch. It's crazy, yeah. Exactly how how so cut and dry it is. Um, so, so just some quick stats. Overall for the season, the Spurs have the um, the eighteenth best offense, one hundred five point two points per one hundred during this um, this stretch. Their their offense has tailed off just a bit, but they're still eighteenth, one hundred six point three points per one hundred uh, defensively. They're holding teams to 102.2 points per 100, which is second best in the league. Uh, but during the stretch, they're tenth, 105.8. Now, here's the real, here's the real interesting part, Colin, which is the, the fourth, I mean, the fourth quarter data. So, during this point of the season, um, from February 1st to now, they're they're net rating by quarter. First quarter plus 2.3. Second quarter three plus 3.0. Third quarter plus 8.1. And then fourth quarter minus 11.8. Now you had recently written last week about their their playing clutch time and mostly about how it's a lot of the offense that kind of forces them to have a lot of these bad um, situations where they're losing games. 
Uh, what do you think it is about their defense overall that it's getting impacted so much by the fourth quarter? Is it part of their offense? Is it the personnel? You know, what do you think is the biggest pinpoint here? Well, you know, I think that the Spurs kind of have had the reputation for, I mean, decades, it feels like, that they're a very old team and that, uh, you know, like, oh, they're just waiting. Like, they're, all their players are about to fall off. They're they're so old. But I think with that age comes, you know, as, as the Spurs always call it, the corporate knowledge and just the knowledge of, of the league in general, the knowledge of how the game is played. Um, and I do think that they're actually kind of a younger squad now, or even if the players on the court aren't younger, they're new to the Spurs. And so I think that that is resulting in a good number of turnovers in, in uh, the clutch time period, and we've been seeing that a lot. And I think it, from what I was looking at, it, it seemed like a large majority of these turnovers were live ball turnovers, mm-hmm. which you know gives the opposing teams a break on the other end. And it's really hard uh, to defend that when you're going full speed. Like if you think of a team like the Rockets, like two on one, they're going to get a basket almost every time. So it just feels like the turnovers go way up. And I do think that is a little bit of an experience. And in that regard, it's, it's like, you know, having those players out there even has some benefit because, you know, this season, you know, will Kawhi come back? Will Kawhi not come back? Um, But future seasons, you would hope to have a full roster and having, you know, these players have that game experience so that in these moments they are able to make that right decision or that right pass or, or the right drive. Uh, but I do think that that has been a big thing that affects the offense. I think that, you know, Pop has talked about it a lot on whether to keep DeJounte out there and just let him do his thing, switch back to Tony Parker. And I do think that some of the Spurs shooters aren't having as bad of seasons that people are thinking, if you actually look at the numbers, but in the crunch time aren't, aren't playing as well as they usually do. Yeah, and let's let's keep let's keep harping on this this fourth quarter issue here. Uh, let's look at their, their defense. Actually, no. First, let's look at the offense. Uh, what Collins basically just mentioned. So, overall, in fourth quarters, they score one hundred and seven point three points per one hundred, which is thirteenth. But during this stretch from February first, they're only scoring one hundred and one point seven, which is twenty fourth. So, so just like Colin, you mentioned turnovers wise, shooting wise, it's, it's uh, players execution. It's just not happening on that end. But here, look at look, look at the fourth quarter data. Uh, overall, in fourth quarters, they're holding teams to 103.3 points per 100, which is third best in the NBA during a fourth quarter. But during this stretch since February 1st, they're allowing 113.6 points per 100, which is uh, 27th overall defensively in the fourth quarter, which obviously that's a huge jump. That's almost a 10, uh, a 10 net rating uh, difference there. Now, um, you know, in a lot of these games, whether it's on the road or at home, a lot of these games since February 1st, they've, they've been leading by 10 points in most of them, you know, and especially going to the fourth quarter. They have a pretty good 8 to 10 point lead and they can't sustain it. Now, something you mentioned, Colin, was who's playing it in crunch time. So these are the players out of their, their last 15 games who have played the most in crunch time of just based on a minute's per, I mean, based on if you've played 10 or 15 fourth quarters. Uh, Davis Bertans, number one, Bryn Forbes, number two, Patty Mills, number three, DeJounte Murray, number four. Danny Green, number five, Kyle Anderson, Pal Gasol, Joffrey Laverne, and Parker. Two guys that have not been playing much in fourth quarters over these last 15 are LaMarcus Aldridge and Manu Ginobili. And obviously that goes back to uh, Manu had a recent injury. Uh, I forgot, was it like an ankle or something? Uh, he, he had a recent minor injury, but it made him miss like two or three games. And then Aldridge had a, had that, had a recent injury as well with the, with the right knee soreness. So in a way, their best player has not been available. You know, he's a, like, just speaking specifically of LaMarcus, he's only been available in seven of the last 15 fourth quarters. Uh, somebody like Rudy Gay, too, has only been available in eight of the last 15 fourth quarters. So two of their top scorers are not there. Um, like you mentioned, they're having to put more emphasis on the younger players like Murray, like Kyle Anderson, like Danny Green. Even though he's not younger, he's not a he's not a you know guy you want to give the ball to in, in crunch time. 
But these guys have had had to be the guys that have had to make plays. Um, looking at their defense, the top five worst just defensive ratings during the stretch from from February first are Danny Green number one, Patty Mills number two, Manu number three, Kyle Anderson number four, and, and Tony Parker number five. So does that does I know that's a lot of information, but does that kind of make sense to what you're seeing on the court? Yeah, yeah, and you know it is. You know, I, I know when I looked at it last week, uh, their crunch time play with Lamarcus was better. Like when he was not playing, and you know because of the injury or arrest or whatever different situations, you know he didn't play a couple games right before All Star break, and then he he was hurt. Um, when Lamarcus wasn't playing in, in crunch time is when it was like really awful. Um, and you know they even lost some games that they were leading in, even when he did play. So that's not a hundred percent of it, but yeah, it is like they've kind of had these real weird lineups, these real weird rotations because of health. Um, and, you know, I was talking to, to someone today and then they pointed out, you know, now they're kind of healthy, you know, Kawhi's not there, but they're healthy in the sense that this is the team that they started the season with. And this is like kind of the first time that they've been able to get that rhythm back in a while just because they've had players in and out of the rotation. Yeah. And one guy who's actually, uh, it's crazy because you look at the rotation players, as I mentioned in the four quarters, the only guy who actually has a positive net rating out of the whole squad is Bryn Forbes with a plus 6.0. And I mean, the guy just comes in, he hits shots. Obviously his defense is a little bit of a liability, but it's not, it's not one of the worst marks on the team. So I wonder if Pop's going to continue to give him minutes, um, increase there. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Rudy Gay here. Um, you know, as I mentioned, he's only played in eight of the last 15 fourth quarters. Pop's obviously looking, if you look at the minutes, he's gradually kind of bringing him back from that right heel injury because, you know, the Spurs are, are, are being cautious with him too. You know, they don't want to lose him for a big stretch like they did there uh, from January to about to about March. So, I mean, to about the All-Star break. So, so they're being a little cautious. Do you think we're going to start eventually seeing an uptick in his minutes in the fourth quarter when it's a close game? I think so. I think, you know, he um, he's you know the, the second leading scorer behind LaMarcus Aldridge right now. I think that he is a player who can uh, make – make baskets for himself, you know, he can, he can make plays for himself, which I think is really important. I think, you know, I was watching the beginning of that Rockets game where they went down into a 15 point hole and, and, you know, Rudy Gay was even playing for a lot of that, but that was a lot of what you saw was like players who were having a really hard time making their own baskets and making their own like plays for themselves, which Rudy Gay, I think when he's like fully healthy and like fully engaged can do that. Um, you know, I, I do think that that heel injury took him out for a long time. So I don't think it's, it's really unrealistic to think that it, has taken him a while to kind of really get back into the flow. So, so I would expect that, you know, especially for the rest of the season, so that uh, for a potential playoff push that they would be able to use him in crunch time. Yeah, and, you know, just looking back to all this data, you know, like we said, they've lost a lot of their games where they've had a fourth quarter lead. They lost a lot of crunch time. I think that that context does matter that, that LaMarcus has not been out there for, mm-hmm. for a majority of those games. He's only been out there for 46% of his fourth quarters uh, since February 1st. So I think that as long as LaMarcus stay healthy, Rudy Gay, we mentioned, uh, can, can keep can keep uh, staying healthy and getting some minutes in the fourth quarter. They should be a little bit better in terms of, of even though they're playing better teams down the road here, uh, of getting more wins uh, rather than, than losses. You know, I'd like to see, you know, a lot of those fourth quarters where they lost for LaMarcus in there. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, Spurs cast listeners, uh, thank you for ch- checking into, tuning into, should I say, episode 486. Colin and I are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. 
when it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for listening to SpursCast, episode 486. My name is Paul Garcia, and I, and I am joined by Colin Reed of ProjectSpurs.com. If you're on Twitter, please follow him at Colin Reed PS. If you go on, on the site and make sure you read his articles, uh, Colin writes some great stuff every week. Let's go ahead and get into our Spurs twist, uh, Twitter questions. Um, Colin, uh, the, the, the listeners use the hashtag SpursCast to ask us some questions. We have two here today. Uh, the first one comes from at B Mahani. They ask, in looking at the upcoming draft, do you see a significant drop-off in talent in getting a pick at the 13th, 14th spot versus the 19th, 20th spot? Always look forward to your podcast. So uh, thank you for, for that for that question. Uh, thank you also for listening every week. Uh, Colin, you and I have talked about this before. We're going to go ahead and refer more so to, to the last week's episode here. So last week, um, if you go back to the to the archives, if you if, if I, I really encourage you to listen to SpursCast episode 485. I had Basically, he's like our draft expert, Ben Bornstein. He was on the episode, and so he gave me a bunch of players. Man, we went deep in there for, from from thirteen all the way to like twenty six range, and and he gave me you know what 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 those players were like, their strengths, some of their weaknesses, uh, their attributes. So I really encourage you to listen to that podcast. Some of the guys Ben mentioned in the thirteenth through fourteenth range are Miles Bridges of of Michigan State, small forward. He told me that out of all the players in that little pocket there of players that could be picked from that range that miles bridges is probably like the most like NBA slash Spurs ready who he could see getting a spot with coach pop next year in the rotation at some point. Um, then there's Kevin Knox out of Kentucky, uh, Robert Williams out of Texas A&M. Ben just wrote about him this week on, on, on project Spurs and then Colin Sexton of Alabama. Those are like four players Ben mentioned to watch in the 13th through 14th range in the event the Spurs do miss the playoffs and get that, um, that type of pick. And then he said that anyone from like the 19th through like 26 range is more so Kind of like, you know, you're not 100% certain. So, again, please uh, go back to Spurs Cast episode 485 and, and listen to that episode with Ben. Uh, but thank you thank you again for listening to the Spurs Cast every single episode, uh, every single week. Our next question comes from, comes from at uh, Wamin, uh, yeah, Waminator91. They ask, is San Antonio better to miss the playoffs this season or sneak in and see what happens? I definitely think that they are making a playoff push. I think they should make a playoff push. I think that the chance of them missing the playoffs is very real. You know, I think they're still the ninth seed right now. But, you know, I think that one of the things that has come up a lot for the Spurs organization and has even been used as a negative lately when you look at some of the contracts for the Spurs organization is loyalty. And so you really cannot see the team uh, who has been loyal to guys up and down the roster use some of the last years of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and just go like, hey, we're going to get a good draft pick with this. Like, you know, they're going to want to have these players go out. You know, they might not make a big move in the playoffs, especially if Kawhi can't come back healthy, but they're definitely going to push for it. I think they definitely should push for it. 
Um, because, you know, if they get matched up against the, the Rockets or the Warriors in the first round, it would be a tough matchup. But, you know, the 5th through 6th, or 5th through 10th even, is like so clustered in the West right now that like they don't need to just end up with the 7th or 8th seed. They could easily end up with the 6th seed, even where they're sitting right now. Um, so I think you try. And then even if you're in a series with the Warriors or the Rockets, you still try. I mean, they were up 23 against, or 21 or however much, against the Warriors in Game 1 last year. And I think that the conditions are different this year. But you at least put yourself in the room. Um, and just the little that I do know about draft analysis is that the real talent usually comes at the very, very, very top. And then like anything past a certain amount is just really hard to judge if you're going to get a franchise-altering player. So like I don't understand... If it would really be worth it to them to miss the the playoffs for like a player that doesn't have a huge potential for impact versus just a couple picks later, um, and then I think there's financial reasons. There's a whole bunch of reasons that I think that they should aim for the playoffs and that they that they will keep aiming for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you, Colin. Where you know if you miss the playoffs, the, the most you're getting is the 13th or 14th pick, which that that only has a two that that pick only has a two percent chance of getting you know a, a top three, which. Obviously, and then you know it, it's a hit or hit or miss with, with those kind of players in the thirteenth, fourteenth range. As you mentioned, you know from what I've heard and listened to different podcasts, is that everyone in the top ten is pretty much like a lock to be pretty good this you know ne- next year and beyond. Whereas you know after after number ten, it gets tough, and the Spurs can't even get into the ten the ten range because even if they try to tank, they'd have to be worse than Charlotte, and Charlotte's already you know ahead of them in terms of tanking and and not um, you know and getting that tenth pick. Most likely, so so in, in a way, it doesn't look good for them to, to try to tank. I think that trying to get in the playoffs is still the best option. Why? Because um, you know you still get a pretty good pick. They're not going to finish you know in in the four, you know third or fourth seed most likely. So they're going to get you know somewhere in the nineteenth through twenty fourth range as, as far as a pick goes. Um, you know, there's that what if potential. What if Kawhi does come back? Well, then hey, that gets interesting. Uh, you know, no, I don't think a team wants to see San Antonio with the healthy Kawhi down the stretch. I don't think that's going to happen. But you know, you never know. It's still a what if until they, they until they actually say in concrete that he's out for the season. Uh, there's also the playoff revenue aspect. You know, San Antonio is a, sm- a small market, and even just getting into the first round, even if you get swept, uh, you still bring you still bring money in uh, to, to to your franchise. You know, especially to to, to a, like a, like I mentioned, a smaller market. Uh, just by being in the playoffs, you keep that you know that history of uh, I forgot how many playoff runs they've had now, but you keep that going, that kind of streak. And then, as you mentioned, Colin, I think that if they get somewhere like in the sixty, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. That they can, you know, they can they can beat somebody like a Portland or a Minnesota. They can upset them even if Kawhi's not there. So I think that that's still a possibility as well, where you can still probably make it to the second round without Kawhi. And if Kawhi comes back, well, then it becomes you know he throws a wrench in any kind of series against Golden State or Houston. So I think that the better outcome is to try to make the playoffs. Uh, thank you for that question. Again, please send us questions using the hashtag SpursCast, and we'll make sure to answer them on each episode. Okay, Colin, for our last segment, we're going to go ahead and preview the Spurs' upcoming three games. They are all home games. Uh, the first game will take place uh, Thursday, the day that this podcast is going up live. Uh, they're playing the, the New Orleans Pelicans, who are 39-28. They're fifth out west. Uh, the Pelicans are 8-2 in their last 10. The Spurs are 0-2 against them this season. Uh, last time the Spurs played them more, more recently, uh, they had a 15-point lead on New Orleans, but ended up losing that game. Something that happened in that one was that LaMarcus got hurt in the first half. He didn't come back for the second half, and so Manu, I remember, I was there that, last, that, that night. And Manu basically said that they lost like their confidence, you know, that, that when, when they saw that LaMarcus wasn't coming back, they just kept looking around and he wasn't there. So the Spurs, according to Vegas, are favored by three and a half in this game. Uh, who do you have in this one, Colin, between the Spurs and Pelicans? Uh, I think for this one, I'm going to take the Spurs. You know, they were so close last time. Um, Aldridge did miss the second half. Obviously, uh, 
Anthony Davis has been playing incredible. Um, but I do, I do think that at home, you know, the Spurs have been, you know, they lost four in a row at home recently. But, but overall for the season, they've been really, really good at home. Um, so I, I do think that all those factors coming together will result in a win for them on Thursday. Okay, uh, I forgot to mention that offensively, the, the Pelicans are scoring 107.7 points per 100, which is eighth in the league. Defensively, 106.6, 17th. I'm, I'm with you, Colin, where I'm taking the Spurs. I think that had LaMarcus not gotten hurt that first game when they were up by 15, I think they would have closed that one out. They were in a pretty good situation. And obviously, like Monty said, the whole team just fell apart because their confidence, you know, mentally was more of a mental aspect where they just felt like they couldn't beat them without LaMarcus. So I think if LaMarcus stays pretty healthy, I could see San Antonio winning that game. Um, Next game is Saturday against Minnesota. Minnesota is 40-29, six seed in the West right now, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, they're 1-1 they one one against the Spurs, so this is a big one where whoever wins this game wins the series, you know, in case they, 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 they tie at the end of the season for the, for the tiebreaker. Uh, this is one where it's on the line, the tiebreaker, between the Spurs and Wolves. Uh, Jimmy Butler was still expected to be out. They're 4-3 and three without him this season, the Wolves, uh, since he's gotten hurt, should I say. Uh, offensively, they're the third best offense, 111.3 points per 100. Defensively, they're not very good for a Tibbs team. Uh, 24th, 108.5 points per 100. Who do you have Saturday between the Spurs and Wolves? I think that the Spurs will pull that one out. Um, again, it's, it's at home, which kind of has made a big difference for the Spurs this season. Uh, but other than that, I do think, like I said uh, earlier, that they are kind of getting a flow with their healthy rotation that they've had this whole season so far. They haven't had Kawhi, but... The team that didn't have Kawhi was also third seed for a large majority of the season. And some of that was easy scheduling. But I do think that it is a talented squad when all the pieces are together um, and kind of have been able to build some chemistry, which I think they have over the past couple of games. Um, you know, I, I think that Towns is, is such a talent that he does kind of make it difficult. I mean, I, I could see him just having one of his crazy games and the Spurs just losing because of that. But I do think that, uh, that the Spurs will take this one. Okay, I'm going to, I was actually, I wanted to go in that direction just because on paper I look at the Wolves and I feel like the Spurs can beat them as long as they have everybody there except without Kawhi. But I'm still, I think that I don't trust the Spurs team enough where I think that they have to lose the game here in these next three. So I'm going to pick this one to be their loss. I think that, I don't know, I, I just, I looked at Minnesota's record, four and three again without Jimmy Butler. They've beaten some pretty good teams. They beat, um, they beat the uh, Warriors recently, and, but then they've lost to some pretty good teams like the Jazz and, and the Blazers. So just because the Spurs aren't, the Spurs I'm used to seeing, you know, over the past few seasons with uh, Kawhi, I'm going to say that they lose this one. Although it doesn't look good that I just had read a report before you and I recorded that, that apparently uh, Andrew Wiggins is upset with his role in Minnesota. So <laughs> maybe there's some, some bad chemistry going on there. So maybe the Spurs do pull it out. Uh, and then the last game on, on for this stretch of this Spurs cast, um, the Spurs play the Warriors on Monday at home in San Antonio. The Warriors are 51 and 16 second out West, uh, seven and three in their last 10. The Spurs are 0-3 against him this season. Now, this is big because in this game, Steph Curry is for sure out, and so is Klay Thompson. So they're only going to have two All-Stars, uh, Draymond Green and, and Kevin Durant. Um, the Spurs were in pretty good position at Golden State, like we mentioned, but then they, they ended up losing that one close. So it's kind of like the same type of team, only without Klay um, for Golden State. Uh, the Warriors, offensively, they're scoring 113.7, best offense in the league. Defensively, uh, allowing 103.7 points for 106 seed. I mean, sixth uh, best defense in the league. Who do you have on Monday between the Spurs and Warriors? I'm actually going to go the Warriors on this one, despite being out two All-Stars. They still have two All-Stars on the court. Um, the Spurs' best player this season has been LaMarcus Aldridge, and I think that the season he's actually done better, but you know, in the past, historically, Draymond Green has given him problems. I know Draymond Green, there's been discussion of maybe his defensive impact slipping a little bit, but I think as they grow, get closer to the playoffs, 
he's going to lock in more. Um, and on the reverse, you know, Danny Green has defended Kevin Durant before, but I just, I mean, I, I think that he, you know, obviously Danny Green is an amazing defender, but I, I just don't think that the Spurs will have an answer for Kevin Durant. And I think that's enough for uh, the Warriors to take this one. Okay, I'm, I'm going on, on the flip side there. Like I mentioned, I'm, I'm taking the Spurs on this one, um, partly because I think they're okay defending a player that's basically one. They only have one star on the floor offensively, which is Kevin Durant. So I think that you use Kyle Anderson, Danny Green, and you just use a lot of help defense around him. Uh, because again, there's no there's no floor spacers now without Curry and without Clay. Uh, Draymond's obviously a guy everybody leaves wide open. Um, and then you know even if like some of their their role players like like Sean Livingston, uh, Iguodala, um, some of these guys they're not outside of like, Nick Hall, uh, Nick Young. There's not a lot of guys who spread the floor for them without Steph and Clay, and, and Clay out there. So I think that it becomes easier to, to use more help defensive schemes on Durant. So I'm going to take the Spurs in this one. Uh, you know, we saw LaMarcus. I think he had like over 30 against the Warriors or, or 20, 25 plus. So I think that he was more comfortable attacking, uh, you know, Zaza and JaVale McGee and some of those defenders and, and, and Draymond Green. So I think I'm going to take the Spurs in this one. So I'm, I'm projecting it. We're both projecting them to go two and one. We just have different type of losses. Um, I had put a Twitter poll on online, Colin, and uh, the majority of the fans actually think they're going to do the same thing like, like we projected. They think that they're going to go 42%, say that they're going to go two and one. Uh, 36% actually think they're going to go three and oh. So there's a lot of optimism and hope that the Spurs will um, either sweep this this coming um, up three games or um, or at least at least only lose one of them so so obviously that will help them out of the standings uh, as we mentioned thanks again Spurs cast listeners for tuning in to episode 486 I am joined by Colin Reed of projectspurs.com please make sure to follow him at Colin Reed PS uh, continue to please send questions to hashtag SpursCast. if you're online follow us at project Spurs at AT League underscore NBA at the SpursCast. At Project Spurs Network. If you're online, visit ProjectSpurs.com, analyzing the league.com and ProjectSpurs.net. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day.